Hey, Uncle Mike, how are you? Did I just cough when you just when you just said, "Hey, Uncle Mike"? No, I thought you laughed. Hey, Uncle Mike, how are you? That was that, that was a cough, and so <laughs> so t- today is the day. Today's the day that we do it, Mark. It's the day we drop the the curtain, give people a look behind the fourth wall. We're letting them see behind the fourth wall. We're letting them them know that. 
that we kind of play on the the idea that it's a random telephone call between you and I that somehow is con- is eavesdropped by like Echelon or, or Premise or whatever the CIA program or NSA program is that records all calls. And the people who are listening, they get the rare opportunity of eavesdropping as if they were in Fort Meade, Maryland. But that's really not true. That's not what's happening. We're just like doing a regular show and we, we do that setup. And the reason why we did that is because, well, because I didn't want, I wanted to be as far away from the internet as I could be. And I was like, well, if we do this via phone, I'll feel further away than if we did it by Zoom. But a full year has gone by, and um, now we are on Zoom, and today's the day. Like, I, I'm, I'm crossing that line. I'm letting people know that I said once I would not do Zoom, and right now it is Zoom, and I have to have the full transparency. So what do you think about that? Wow, I, I I really love the way you put that. As if our audience is like uh, spies spying on our show. I I don't think I always picture. I think of every I think of every conversation I have. Like I'm like, well, someone's listening to it. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny so how well it is funny how after you start getting the hang of podcasting and doing this type of unorthodox style of communication, how it affects your socializing and you know in normal we'll say normal life. So yeah, I I think you know transparency is the only way we'll ever have a trusting audience, you know? So, and I want my audience and your audience and our audience to trust uh, us. So, yeah, I love it. I think that's, you know, obviously we've had some detractors in the comments and people who said, oh, I don't know about this show. And and maybe we're compromising (laughs) for them because the quality, but as well, you know, it's like we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to be, so hard to get into and so niche that only, you know, people with the stomach to, to hear the clicks and the pops. And, you know, I, I didn't mind it cause it, it was a real telephone call, but when you put it in the perspective of, of people who are, are listening to a podcast, maybe not expecting that phone call grittiness, you know, like when you're on the other line, you have the patience and the attention to, to hear someone out despite how, uh, scratchy the connection might be whereas if somebody's you know got a hundred podcasts in front of them you know they might pass ours over to listen to something that's not gonna give them a headache an hour into it so this is a compromise not for the trolls but for the the audio purists out there who want to listen to crisp clean audio and people like me who want to spend less time editing a podcast so so it's funny mark because you're saying this, and how many shows have we done? We've done almost 50. This will be episode 48. So this is episode 48. And we've done, and... we've done, actually, we've done two or three podcasts together uh, that don't fall under the category of this show. So, yeah, we've done over 50 shows together. Um, you know, I, I mean this, I mean this without like, you know, and, any sort of implication. It's just like, it's just a factual truth. I've never listened to our show. 
And so when I'm listening to right now describe what, what, like, you know, from a different perspective, like from my perspective is like we talk once a week and like, it's, it's, I don't even know what I think, think about this. Like the, and that's the beauty like of, of what, what the show is, is it is that raw. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's real that way. Like the, it's almost like funny that we're being, that there's a set that we have that false setup because the truth of the matter is it's, it's immensely just like raw and real. Like there's no sort of maybe a little bit of a discussion beforehand what we, what, what we want to discuss. But then for the most part, it's just like, you know, trying to figure our, our way through this this conversation it's a really beautiful fun dance like it's it's a it's an enjoyable process for me but when you describe what it it's like from the listener's perspective because like i'm as i said i'm aware of the listener in a certain sense but i don't think about it from that practical sense because you know i don't go through the process of listening and and that just like makes me appreciate what we're doing even more. Uh, you know, the fact that 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 it was that scratchy and like you know that it's it's like there's this obvious like uh, uh, like it's it's not about the, the how good can I be on the internet like in terms of 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 um, uh, like quality product. It is more so about like. Uh, I want to be, how real can I be on the internet? And maybe that phase is over, but uh, after some time of the crystal clear Zoom sponsored conversation we're having. Uh, <laughs> Brought to you by <laughs> Zoom. Brought to you by Zoom, recording everything you do, even when you think it's off. <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, so it's like, you know, there's, there's at least a clear demarcation. The first year was like, you know, I don't know if you've ever like watched a TV program, which is multiple seasons and you like the first season. And then like by season four, you're like, you're so far away from season one. Mm -hmm. You're like, how is this even the same show? Right. Oh yeah. I've so I wonder, there. I wonder if that will happen with us. Yeah. Because we just started season two with a very big jump. That's interesting. Yeah, I get. So you're calling this season two? You you just said we're just about fifty weeks. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, technically, in the podcast RSS feed, there are three seasons. There's the uh, first season, which comprises of Mike Juan solo, just uh, monologues. There's the second season, which is you and I, and then there's a the third season, which is uh, the f from the 40th Parallel Show. So uh, if people want to organize the RSS feed, they can click the seasons category and listen to each show individually, or they could just listen to them all uh, in chronological order. So yeah, that's that's the that's how I think of the seasons of this podcast. But you're right, we are approaching a sort of new. Uh, dimension to this show right uh, and, and it's just like a different way to slice and dice well i do think that like for example if we had this conversation uh or had a past conversation over zoom for ex for instance our conversation with john and khufu that conversation might have gone differently if it was over zoom uh, and that's when I started thinking, like, eh, maybe we should do stuff over Zoom. And then we had Sarah uh, on, and that was over Zoom. And I'm like, you know what? 
yeah, this does sound a lot better. I think people would appreciate listening if uh, if it was at this quality. So yeah, we're 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 growing, we're evolving, and and the listeners <laughs> that have and evolving with Zoom. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but there is a core follower, you know, group of at least 500 people that listen to each episode, which I'm really proud that's fa- of. That's fantastic. I yeah. mean, that's and it's it's fun because it's like, you know, there's uh uh and I don't know how much how frequent this happens to you, but when you run across someone, like you get the opportunity to meet someone who like let's say one of those 500 people. Um like that's a really fascinating feedback loop to have. Mm. And I know what it's like to have been like, you know, where I have a relationship with, with someone just because I listen to them on a regular basis. There's a time I listen to a lot of stuff. Um, and so it's, it's an, it's a, it's, it is a, that is part of the uniqueness of the podcast relationship is, is how intimate it does feel mm. um, particularly through the headphones um, and when it comes full circle, like that's, that's always a cool thing. Like it's a, like that is a real human experience. Hmm. That is for certain. Uh, but then the dance of, um, this is where I want to go with this, which is kind of, which is interesting. And maybe this is a, a good, a good kind of, um, segue. Exactly. Because you and I did another show, another show a week ago and something was said, it doesn't matter who says it, but it left me shocked. And there was a discussion. There's like like a real intelligent, uh, thought thoughtful person, meaning like they think about things. You know, they're not just like going going through the motions. And the the question they were thinking about was, um, should AI be baptized? <laughs> and part of it was like it was like tongue in cheek. Like, you know, yeah, Christians, how does AI fit into your Christian world model? Like, what are you going to do with AI? And I'm just thinking, I'm like, how could you even like think about that sort of, you know, it, it just, I had a, I had a reaction to it. And the reason I'm bringing this up and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a change in the segue was that <laughs> that's my zoom moment. So like, has there been a shift? Because there was a time where I was like, that was off the table, and now we're doing it. Right, uh, yes, I should it. say, you you were very uh, very charged up after that podcast we did. Um, yeah, for sure. I remember. I That was almost two weeks ago now, but yeah, that was... Uh, that was when you sort of said, like, I think I'm going to start going on these Zoom shows, you know, and, and really getting into this and, and, you know, throwing my hat in the ring. If this is something people are debating, I got to get <laughs> get my my point across, right? I, to that, is that saying, you know, accurately how you felt? Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. That's funny. It's, uh, I didn't I didn't think about it in terms of that, the Zoom, but yes, you're absolutely right. Um, and I guess what part of this is, is, um, <laughs> is a recognition maybe right now, because we, uh, what, what's the name of this? It's your, your handbook for the apocalypse. So there is an implication in that title is of a, 
of changes, you know, a birth, a death of an age and, and a birth of a new age, regardless of however you define age. And I think that that's a very important thing that needs, that should be discussed if, you know, you would get real serious about what the, what you think the apocalypse is. But I certainly think that really coming into full, full focus, um, on, you know, when COVID began at, uh, uh, the Ides of March it was March fifteenth, twenty twenty. Do you still get in trouble for saying that? Is that still a thing? Like people like you shouldn't say that on the podcast. Well, not any podcasts I do, but people who rely on YouTube maybe. Um, but no, I, I would say like for instance, Andreas's show. Like I've been surprised on how many how many like subjects we've been able to talk about, and Andreas is never alarmed. And never worried about YouTube censorship. Maybe he's just backed up, but uh, right. But no, yeah, right. so certain it certain it words. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I, I'm just not relevant, so it doesn't matter anymore. Only so, certain uh, words, just, like anything directly relating to vaccination. Usually, people are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Use a different word. <laughs> you know, there's like all these little so, fun so terms. So it's not. Now. So it's not like you can't say COVID. You can't say the V word. Right. 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 Gotcha. Because no one's making any money off of COVID. <laughs> well, yeah. Like we... directly in the same way you're, you're making it off your V word. So, okay. So, but anyway, so what I want to go back to the original point of why mm-hmm. I brought that up is like something began that like, you know, the world changed. We've been talking about that ever since it's happened and looking around now at, at, particularly using my own, like that's all you can really use is your own experience and like what you're able to like to, to validate. Uh, like it's, we're in, we're in a different phase from what that phase was. Like, I don't know if that implies like that's the new age or what ha- like age in the most general sense. Um, but there it's different. And I'm saying that by looking at how my behavior has changed, I've seen other people's behavior has changed and then other parts of my life are different. So the question I would have or the, the way I look at it or, um, is like, okay, so then, you know, what is this, what is this new phase about and what are, where am I, who am I there with and what are the rules of this, of this unique paradigm? Because it seems like where we're going is, um, you know, we, we've discussed some of the, the, maybe some of the other details of how, the realm has seems to have been changed, but it also seems like, uh, there is, uh, the, there hasn't been a complete deintegrate D disconnection from, from the internet as much as like now there's like, uh, um, like whatever's happening, like we're doing this on zoom. That the last part, what do you, can you rephrase that? What do you mean? Like the, the internet? So it's, it's like, so I can see there's so many changes, right? Like particularly in the realm and we've talked about this. And so what I mean about that is like maybe on the more like, you know, on the mystic side, it's like things literally manifest faster and quicker and more strange than they have before. Like, like, you know, something you think about literally happens like the next day and that's happening on on a much, much faster, regular basis, like beyond like, you know, um, 
you know, well, you're looking for something like you know, like there, there's there's some truth in when of what happens when you begin to like look or like become aware of something and it appears more in your consciousness than that. Yeah, there maybe it's always been there and you're more aware of it. But then there's something else that is shifted in the in the realm like it's just happening more frequently and faster and like that would imply like there's been some sort of change and and i think that in the conversation um i've always been talking or since we've been on the show is that you know co- something's going on like you know there's there's a greater change that's happening and i'm not really certain what we're looking for um and so when I'm describing like the faster, like the, the, like the, just how things are really becoming a whole lot easier. That's, that is evident in this new shift. And I'm saying that shift has happened. Uh, I'm going to just use our 50 show for that. And the fact that now though, despite all of that, which sounds like my thought, what my thought would have been in the beginning of, of season one or the beginning of, of recognizing that, that, okay, this is in high gear, the, the change in the realm, I would have thought, and my plan was like, there's going to be a greater disconnect with, with the internet. And when I say the internet, like anything that's connected to it and really any sort of wireless shared data sort of platform. So even phones, um, but the very fact that Zoom, the thing which I was like, I'll never do Zoom, it's like that's how we're start we're starting the, the second season. And I'm recognizing that. Like I'm just being I'm just being honest with myself, kind of talking this out loud. I'm like, I'm seeing this all this other shift, and then a part of that has been a softening in my positioning. But then I'm also recognizing I've gotten like more extreme in other places. So like, you know, maybe I'm just sharing this right now as uh, um, like a, a touch point for you or listeners to like then ask yourself, is that true in your own experience? Like, you know, you know, have I seen change? Like if, where have I, I become more settled back into society? Where have I become less settled back in? Like, you know, how is, how is my life different than it was before? How am I different? How am I understanding things or understanding or overstanding things in a way which is different than which I was before? Like now's a good time for inventory. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean clearer now. I I feel like I have a, a sort of, uh, integrative mindset about it where it's like, well, I've been at the point in my life where technology, video games, the internet was not serving me. So now I've committed to only using it for that purpose. And, uh, and the podcast is a byproduct of that. It's a means to an end because even though I was raised in the computer generation so to speak or the video game generation is probably more appropriate cell phone generation is another way to characterize it i've always been more attracted to the natural world over the appeal of the the technology technological spectacle you know like the natural world has still remained always more interesting to me so I don't know if 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 they can even 
you know, maybe that's why I'm a little more optimistic about it is because I don't see technology as this like unfailing uh, megalith that they want us to to subscribe to. I see it more as like a a thing that can either tie you down or free you if you use it correctly. So let me ask you a question. Um, how in your imagination, in your imagination, how do you see, like, you know, go forward 20 years in the future, how do you see future you or future humankind's relationship with technology? Is it still there? Is it more integrated? Do you want to like 20 years in the future still have like be in a technology? Like, do you have any images in your mind of what life on earth can be like with or without technology? Like, how do you approach those, that topic? I personally don't spend much time imagining that kind of thing, but I would, uh, I would hope that the technology we have now is perfected, simplified, and made uh, less, you know, obtuse. So we could use it acutely, and it doesn't intercede with our natural, uh, our natural purpose. You know, because I right. think that's what that's what people are are most afraid of is like it interceding on our natural what it means to be a human, and then we become some kind of computer cyborg. So. How is that technology, like that future unobtuse technology, like how is that like made and, and how does it get to people? Like it's got to be it still, it's got to be open source. It's got to be the way the internet was initially, right? Where people are able where to does do, that equi- where does that equipment come from? Mm, right. <laughs> the military. <laughs> well, well, no, like in a practical sense, it, it's got to be made from somewhere, right? Well, I w- well, I'm... maybe we got there's a like future. So let's let's like go down this path. I'm like, well, maybe there'll be like future like 3D, 4D printers using like they're able to pull out. You take leaves and old styrofoam and you stick it in and like blah blah blah. But like, there's always this. There's, there's always going to be some sort of connection, like where something's got to be like made and someone's got to, or a machine or, or like there, there, there's something which you're tied into. Like, how do you get, how does humanity get disconnected from that? Like, if you're not thinking that it will never happen, that's the risk. And so I, that that's like that's that's the way how I see it. That's why my my positioning has been um, has always been like you know we got to walk away because if you don't have a picture in your mind, the whole purpose is like for you to never not have a picture of your mind connected to technology mm. because that way it means that how you live your life, which you said is your life purpose, has to go through the means of technology. Why the fuck so? Why the fuck do you have to spend your life's purpose through technology? Like that's certainly true in a certain perspective, in a certain realm, in this experience, but that's not a universal truth. And so, 
so this begins just with an idea. This just begins with an idea. If you're not beginning to recognize that if I don't go off of technology, like picture like what life may look like off technology, and we won't even define what that is, you'll never, and technology is going to, just as you're saying, like become even better so that it's less obtuse. And so we get to use it every, you know, it's more integrated in our lives and it frees me, frees me. And so, so the, so let me just finish this idea and then I want to hear what you got to say. Um, so the idea, like linking this back to where this conversation began is like apocalypse and like this has always been about a recognition that there has to be a change. And when I said a new age and I'm saying like I, however you want to define it, how I'm defining it is a way in which humanity reacts with life in a different way and it would be outside of like you know what we're calling computer technology is just the bleeding edge of like you know the industrial revolution which was the bleeding edge of whatever crap was before that and a new age is a way that we're interacting outside of it i don't know what that looks like yet like i think that's why i'm so fascinated on like let's look at other ways of looking at things because if we do not look away from the model which we know has been projected in our mind through all of like our understanding of cultural programming like it's just going to be in that system so that's that to me is like what the apocalypse is about and then like there it's like the technology is a no-brainer like you shouldn't be thinking about technology. You should be thinking about how how has technology served me to this point so that I, we don't need technology in the in the future. Yet we're able to go and do everything which technology said is possible. Like those are the questions which I think are important for people to be asking now. Not stuff like you know should I you know ethically speaking should I be baptizing uh, AI? You know this right. this is one mind control program for another mind control program. Right, right, and I, I think so, what. Go ahead. Go on. No, I was going to say I think where I was about to butt in earlier is more like, well, I don't think that you know, like, surveillance state and technology necessarily have to be synonymous, and and maybe we'll have technology that helps us uh, avoid persecution from the government. Uh, you know, like it, there is that possibility or even inevitability that the technology used to oppress one group of people it will be turned against uh the oppressors and used to free them right like i I think that's where my optimism about technology comes from is like the hacker the hacker mindset of like using the the means against the system yeah yeah that's uh uh, in a lot, that's, that's a vortex. That's a feedback mm-hmm. loop of like, if you re <laughs> there's only what, as long as, as long as the, the freedom is pictured within the rules of the paradigm of the system. And the, you know, we know the system is set up by controllers. It's just going to perpetuate, perpetrate for all of eternity because, immediately the human being the hacker the whoever is like fight the system is like still thinking about system Mm. it's like that's just like like if you really want to step out of it and like technology is one of the easiest ways to comprehend it and what we are seeing in the realm is like think like there's a way there's a way 
in which the, the in order to interface during this transitional time, um, and I'm just being clear right now, I guess, in our transparency show, is that it is ultimately, um, it's ultimately the it, to move off of technology, to recognize that anything that's done with technology has to be able to be done where I don't have to buy a friggin' license or try to do like some workaround. Like it's, it's more intuitive than that. Um, but it, ha- it, that a recognition that that has to come to move out of like the, the system, which everyone's always pointing fingers of, um, that despite that <laughs> we're still using zoom. So I guess the, the, <laughs> that would be the full loop on that one. Yeah. Well, and it, I think it's, it's definitely a conundrum. I don't think it's a conundrum. I think I think that how this realm works is it it self corrects. Mm. It self corrects. Like it's not as much hard work as you think it's going to be. Like that's part of the lie. It's the reason why like people buy fucking insurance because they believe a lie. Like everything is based upon a lie of hard work and risk and like dumb shit like that. Like that's the most obvious thing to anyone who's paying attention to how this culture works. Hmm. They're fucking liars and they're like trying to scare you. This is no conundrum. Like this is Stockholm syndrome. (laughs) Like uh, probably the hardest thing is like the withdrawal symptoms. I mean, that probably will happen, but I don't, uh, so, all right, let me change gears a little bit into like, um, uh, example of the sort of things which I'm talking about. Okay. All right. And the things which I'm talking about is like, this is the, this is how the realm is changing. It's becoming more dreamlike, more dreamlike, less technology. So this weekend I go and I am doing my final tour for the season um, of the rights to the 40th parallel. Okay. I've been doing like one tour, like, I don't know, like every second Sunday of the calendar month. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like one month would be right. One, one month would be right. Two, one month would be right. Three and so forth. And you've done, you've done, um, have you done, how many have you done with me, Mark? Just, uh, just two, I believe. We went to. So you've done two of them. Yeah, we went to Chickie's Rock, right? And it, Falmouth. Mm-hmm. And then Falmouth, yes. So I was doing Chickie's Rock again, and Chickie's Rock is the right of destruction, and it kind of has like a dark field, like feel to the the purpose of this walk. This is known as dream walking. Um, you know, when you look at your regular life through the lens in which you would use to to understand, um, you know, do a, a dream analysis. So, and you know, from the, the, the time you did the right, um, the first one, like, I don't know if you recognize, like always something kind of strange or bizarre happens in the furnace. And we captured that, that groundhog, right? That was incredible. Yes, a groundhog. You're actually reminding me of something that just happened uh, last week. But yeah, the groundhog uh, running out 
shocked to see us in his normal haunt uh, and then broke a, a quick right and went underground somewhere. <laughs> but we captured it on film. Yes. And it was like, it was, it was, it was an interesting thing. So anyway, and it was, so this, this past weekend, um, I stopped by, uh, before, before, uh, meeting a, a couple who wants to take this, this, um, right. And they they drove like some distance, uh, to go and have this experience. And I had a little bit of time before we were going to meet them. And I stopped by at this like roadside food place, kind of rough and tumble. Okay. And I go and I get myself something to eat. And the only place you could eat is like right in front of it. And there's, when I get out of the, the, like the, the store, um, all the tables are full. The three tables are full. But after a moment, um, this group of five or six, like 15 year old boys, like got, get on their BMX bikes and like ride off like a bunch of hooligans. Like these, these are like, like that, that's sort of like, you don't even see this type of, or I don't see it frequently now, this type of like energy in, in like young people, like they usually glued to their phone and they're walking around their phone and they're like chasing after Pokemon or something. Um, but this is like 1980s, like rough around the edges, sort of like troubled youth. And so they take off and immediately that's left, um, at this small section of tables outside of this roadside establishment is this like this, this like tough as nail biker dude, like probably mid sixties. He's got his Harley like parked right in, out in front, just like dressed in like gang attire. And like, you know, the name of his, his club is sewn to the back of like a jacket and like something with demons, like just like the, the dude looks tough and he's, and he's big and he's just like sitting there like, like a statue, not a care in the world other than his thoughts. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and sit down next to this guy. And I'm going to kind of like tap into this energy. You know, that's the way I would, I would prepare for going into, um, like one of these walking one of these rights, like, you know, whatever life presents, you know, kind of like meeting it. And this is how I met it. So, all right. So after this, you know, I thought it was kind of cool experiences, just kind of how uncle Mike goes about living his life. Like this sort of stuff I do, I get in my truck and I drive on down to, uh, um, where I'm going to go and meet and meet, uh, this couple who's coming up from Florida and, um, it's been, it's been a bumpy ride. Uh, the week before I got my times confused and I showed up and it was like, no, you're, you're a week early. And then, um, I've got some texts from them. They're running like, uh, they're running late. And then, um, their truck broke down, but they got it going and all this sort of stuff. So, so they finally come in and arrive. Uh, or they're about to arrive, but the final the final um, part of the drive to get to the final destination for us to meet up to begin this right at the boat drop, you have to drive underneath the underpass for a train bridge, which was built in 
like 1909 and it's kind of small and they were driving a motorhome like we can't make this turn are we we don't know if we're going to make this underpass we're not going to go and risk it and now they have to go and do like a three-point turn on this like narrow road without much space off of like the the paved part of it but the problem is the reason why their truck had their motorhome had broken down is because it was a power steering issue and like now they're like kind of stuck in the road and they're like driving back like you know only able to turn the wheel like a couple rotations and back up and so what would have been a three-point turn would have been was a 20-point turn so the long and short of it is uh i'm waiting for him and i hear this commotion and i'm like what what are those voices i think it sounds like these kids are yelling at him and I look in my mirror because uh, I'm waiting for them to finish with their 21 point turn and the same BMX kids are just like harassing these people and it's just like this old school way of which like you know the, the kids used to harass you know and harass old people they're yelling get out of town go back to Florida like F you get out of the road why do you think you like you know just like screaming at them like it ended up dissipating so, all right, so now we begin the destruction, right? And we're taking our walk, and everything's going great. And, and how I normally, um, like, I position the, the, the walk is right before the final approach to the furnace. That's where, this, that's where the rights of the, the right of destruction, like, it's a, it's a, it's a walk to this furnace, um, right when you, right before you get there, the the path turns and it opens up, and you can see the furnace for the first time. And it's kind of like a, you know, it's a subtle but dramatic uh, in its subtlety um, sort of view. So we went through that, and I was I was telling the couple, I was like, do you remember those those kids on the BMX bikes who were harassing you. They're like, yeah, I remember them. And I told them, I was like, well, I saw them right before I met up with you. But there was this like lone, lone outlaw biker dude. And I sat next to him and I kind of acted like I'm not feeling a biker. Like I'm telling him this story. I'm just like making fun of myself. And like, as soon as we make that turn, we see that all of the BMX bikes are in front of, um, are in front of the the furnace. Oh my and, god! <laughs> and as we as we get closer to it, as we get closer to it, like it's there's like a raucous happening in the furnace, like literally, like the most insane, like 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 what is wrong with you? Sort of question you would ask, like troubled youth, like this is happening. They're like yelling and shouting in the furnace, like smashing these like old brick walls with like rocks from the, and bricks that are on the ground. Like dust is pouring out. Like it's, it's just absolute like ridiculous sort of expression of, you know, misplaced, I don't know, pented up whatever so anyway so we go and um we go and uh uh we we walk near it and the guy says to me he's like listen i've had run-ons with these kids before he's like let's just keep walking i don't want to deal with this and i'm thinking i'm thinking like i'm like this is my tour we're not going to walk away from a bunch of like troubled youth they're not going to make us. You drove up from Florida. Are you really going to let me 
like let you leave this sort of situation. Like that's what's going on in my mind. And I'm like, well, hold on. And um, and I look around and I size up the gang and um, and identify the leader. And I identify him because um, he's like got the fullest mustache. Like most of them have like these really like kind of weak mustaches and he's almost got like a full mustache and he's got the biggest mullet. And, and so I'm like, all right, like, he's like, like you walk back six. in time. <laughs> totally. This totally like, this is like, this, this is Marietta gremlin. Um, and I say that in the best way. So I, I, I don't know, like somehow, like I get him into a conversation, like, like real quick. Like he doesn't even know what hit him. Like I just start talking to him normally and he's like talking back to me and he's like, how the hell did I just start talking to this dude? But he's talking to me. And my number one thing is like, I need to get them out of the furnace. All of like the, all of the wild, all of this wildness in the furnace, I need to get them out so I can bring, I can bring this, this, this couple who came from Florida to the furnace because we're like having an experience. And so I, I kind of convince, I convince this, this young man. I'm like, did you know that there's like a back wall and you could climb up the back wall and you could go and like look up in the look, look down to the furnace. Cause if you remember the furnace is like, it's probably like 30 feet high and it's got, it's open. Like it's got that circular cylinder type of opening. And so I tell him like, kind of like the direction of that thinking they'll just like stay on the wall. So me and the couple, we go in, we're having our, 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 um, our right expression, our rights expression, uh, experience. And next thing we know, like we hear a ruckus above us and we see all of the gremlin faces and they're like starting to kick like rocks, like not big rocks, just like kind of like, like maybe some twigs and rocks. And like, we're kind of in a vulnerable spot. We're like down in the pit and they're mm. like, you know, they're up there with like, with all the rocks. Um, and I'm like, all right, how, like I've got my stick, you know, my stick's kind of solid. I'm thinking yeah. like, can I, I'm sizing up, I'm sizing up the gremlins. Like, how is this going to unfold? Cause remember I was just like, you know, I was just sitting with the outlaw. I've got outlaw energy. I'm like, how, how is, how is this going to go down? And, and I'm thinking about like all the, you know, every scenario is running through my mind. I'm, I'm laughing about it. It's like, you know, it's just like kind of, you saw me like stand up with that, with the, with the groundhog, went from groundhog to gremlins uh, with the stick. So I'm in the same situation. And just when I do that, the leader walks down past one of the openings, past one of the windows, or like one of the uh, openings into the furnace. And I quickly call him over. And I'm like, hey, hey, what's your name? He tells me his name. I'm like, my name is Mike. And I'm like, and I tell him about the power of the building. And I'm like, it's power. It's dangerous. It's not even the building. It's the land here. I'm like, there's a danger to it. And I'm like, that's why you guys are acting like nuts because like the danger, you're intoxicated by it. But I give people tours from all over. They come up, this couple came up from Florida for this tour. They wouldn't have this experience. So I quickly go and I pull out my book, The Rights of the 40th Parallel. And I open up to the map of this area. And if you know, like the map's kind of like a cool looking map. It's like kind of cartoony. It's perfect for like a kid who's 15. And so... I say to him, I'm like, here's the map. This is all of the places in the area. I need, obviously, you and your friends understand it. 
I'm not here all the time. I need you to be my eyes and ears on the field and protect it. Can you do that for me? He's like, yeah, we could do that for you. And then that next thing you know, the gremlins are part of <laughs> the Susquehanna Alchemy team. The gnomes and the gremlins unite. <laughs> the gnomes and the gremlins unite. So, all right. So, like, what, what does this have to do with anything? So, the realm is changing. Like, the way things, like, this stuff is happening all the time. Like, this level of just, like, poetic irony and awareness. Uh, poetic, poetic irony and things just, like, unfolding perfectly. Like that's happening. Like this is like, this is one of countless stories. Like it's almost like not even fun to tell the stories anymore because they happen so frequently. Um, but then the second thing is I'm like, there's a part of me that really kind of resonated with that, 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 that outlaw biker. Like that's not me, but in a certain way, like that's me. Like I kind of get that guy <laughs> and whether or not that guy gets me and him, I don't know. But like I sat next to him, I mirrored him and I'm like, this is just like, you know, there's something weird kind of happening. Um, I'm looking at all these gremlins. I'm like, I was one of those gremlins when I was that age. I'm like, did I just give myself a version of the rights of the 40th parallel? Did you say his name was the leader gremlin's name was Mike or were you saying you told him your name was Mike? Cause I almost I sounded told him like my name was, okay. my, I told him my name was Mike. I almost thought you were going to say you were both were named Mike, but then you didn't say that. So, I, but I just wanted to clarify. Okay. So, wow. I mean, yeah, you could have, I mean, really, I mean, if the kids have the resources, who knows, maybe they'll go and look up what you said and find out some kind of interesting story about, uh, the area and add to the lore. They'll start telling their friends like, Hey, there's this dangerous place that me and my friends go to. Like you, you can't go there cause you're not cool enough. <laughs> you know, like there, there's like a legend that'll, that'll stir from this amongst them. <laughs> Whatever or whomever, like I'm not, I'm not even limiting it. I'm not limiting it to anything, but all I know is it was, it was, a both bizarre, interesting, exciting, uh, uh, ironic, poetic experience. Mm. And like, that's what, like, that's happening. That's happening more and more. You're telling me the same story as yourself. You're like, I went and I saw a rock formation on this like busy road and no one else has ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah, we did talk about it on the phone, but I didn't mention it on any, well, I mentioned it on one show, but yeah, yeah. So look at that being the modus operandi, that being the way of the realm, like that's how it's working, like more and more and more. This is the stuff where you're putting your attention, right? Like this mm -hmm. is what you're studying. This is what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, like it's not like happening in a book. It's happening before your eyes. Right. And like, it's not like in this like magical, whimsical way, like four unicorns, like meet you at your front door and like you hop on them and then, you know, they take you there and, and like everyone eats like Slurpees. Like it like was the most natural thing in the world. It was like, I was driving and I looked to the right and I saw something which I've never seen before. Right. 
Yeah, I think you just described like a Skittles commercial or something with the unicorns and whatnot. But yeah, that we uh, we came across a megalith. Exactly, exactly. It's not a Skittles commercial. It's really happened. And because you're thinking that you're looking for a Skittles commercial, you don't realize like the magic is right in front of you. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I um. Yeah, we didn't talk about it, but I basically found what you could describe as a shaped stone, right? This is uh, something that we see all over the world, different stones carved to look like, you know, certain animals and whatnot, Uh, not like perfect statues, but more rudimentary carvings of rocks. And yeah, that one, I mean, what do you think? It looks, looks like a bird to me. Uh, it looks like it has the potential to be many, many things. Mm. And one of, one of the, one of the ways of understanding, um, other, other, um, ways in which people have, interacted with life or reality is that um, that objects or things can have multiple can, can have multiple meanings and the meanings you place upon it like you know it becomes it becomes part of the reality right like no different than what we're saying with like you know uh, how technology works. Like, you know, they, they, this is what, this is an example, like whatever that stone is, however it is, whatever you see it, like it could be this or it could be that, like it's all of those things. It is undoubtedly put there and, uh, that is for certain. And you really had the experience of discovering it after studying all of this sort of stuff. Uh, to me, like, you know, now that you've seen it, like you get to name it, you know, you get to decide what it is and like continue down this mystery. Yeah. You know, I wanted a mystery. And then I found the backwards 40 in the foot in the, in the John Smith map of Virginia. Right. What begot what? You're studying all of the, the rock the rock formations, the rock shapings, and then you go and you see it. What beget what? Which <laughs> comes first? Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to to be a part of the synchromistic uh, flow, you know, and that's the most interesting part is it's going to express itself differently for different people as they uh, interact with it, you know, so... Hopefully so, through so, so our... this is this is life. Like there's no it. It's life. Like this is the way it works. Like mm. you're not describing anything like which is I'm not describing anything special. You're not describing anything special. We're describing this is the nature of how it works. Like it's it's this like the, the it's this crazy, but it's this normal. You just gotta be looking for it. This is how it works. Right. Right. It is uh Yeah, it's interesting to to note though the the destruction of that furnace you know like the kids being like 
uh, less sort of adulterated, <laughs> right, by the world, more pure, more uh, susceptible, so to speak, to those kinds of energies. They go there just like instinctually, you know, like I remember being a kid and, you know, finding like an abandoned warehouse with my buddies and our first instinct is like throw a rock through the glass window and like see what like things we can rip up and, you know, just it's chaos. But then you go back and you you realize that this is like a pattern almost that you're, <laughs> you're, you're kind of uh, becoming a or part of like the dance, you know? Uh, yes. Yes. I, uh, it's funny because I just saw this thing about that tunnel, which, which you go through before you go to the furnace. Um, I just sent you a screenshot of, um, of, a of a post by Uncharted. I see it. But it's, it's it's interesting it's it's uh that's exactly where the the walk and where that chaos was just as this this <laughs> this this instagram post like is notified on this phone of mine mm. now we're at this juncture we're talking about tunnels and I mentioned the guest I spoke to uh, on my podcast who told me about the uh, those stone circles, remember? I brought that up yes. with you. So another thing he mentioned that connects to this tunnel here, possibly, uh, are you familiar with a, an inventor named John Worrell Keeley? Have you ever come across him? No, not that I can think of. So John Worrell Keeley was sort of like a Tesla-type inventor, uh, before Tesla's time, and one of the things that he helped the U.S. Uh, and some, well, not the U.S., but like these big railroad companies, he would help them tunnel through mountainsides, just like Chickie's Rock. Which I I'm not sure is that a man-made tunnel recently or um. Man-made, probably, it's said to have been in the early 1800s. Okay. So I don't know how they did that uh, prior to John Worrell Keeley, but what this guest told me is that he figured out a way to change the vibrational state of the rock, uh, and they could just bore right through very easily by just sort of altering the frequency of the stone and making it more moldable or susceptible to whatever you know force they had in the bore you know device right like essentially like a giant drill but the drill is is sort of the same way you would like when you're you're using a certain type of wet saw on ceramics and you need to have the saw running in a pool of water to keep the blade mm -hmm. wet it's sort of like that concept where the frequency of the drill would be um, the primary function of the device. It's not the, the drill itself that's going through the, the mountainside. It's this frequency that the drill is like spinning into, tapping into. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that connects to where we were before, but I, when I saw this image you sent me, it's, I started thinking of, 
of of Topher. A lot of things that we've talked about tonight actually do connect to um to what he's talked about. There's another thing, uh, but anyways. Well, I guess that would be a good conversation to have with with him. Yeah, we definitely we talked about that. We ought to have him on this show. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I like. I didn't even think of that. That you brought up me and Tara naming uh, this rock that we discovered. At first glance, it looked like an anvil because of the the angle I walked up to it from, and I thought to myself, "Wow, that looks like a giant." anvil and then from another angle it looks more like a sort of uh like a pot you know like a cooking pot with a long handle coming from more of a like a large base and that handle or maybe like a stone finger so to speak is pointing exactly where the sun sets it's pointing west so you know this idea that these stones are all moved by glaciers randomly and pushed by water over time. How, how do you imagine this stone uh, finger, there's no other way to describe it, is pointing in exactly west direction, you know, west to east for that matter, because you could extend the line uh, both directions. Yeah. You know, it's that's definitely uh, the most startling thing about it and then we found that it's in proximity to the Hammonasset ley line which is sort of like a uh, equinox model built on the landscape itself where the stone structures are in alignment with the equinox sort of showing where the sun sets at the equinoxes uh, spring and fall and then um, yeah it's just I don't you know I, I'm at the, the stage where there's so much information that I'm digging through. You know, we got a lot of dots on the board and some connections definitely still need to be made. But I feel like I, I've i gotten into uh, deeper waters with my grasp of history. I don't know if you had a, a chance to, to check out my conversation with Sam and Johnny and Xavier on tinfoil hat, but it was interesting. The, the, um, like the information where it took me and like that, I'm sure, you know, like when you like create a presentation, give it, and then you're kind of like, okay, I've moved on from it, so to speak. And for me, it's like, haven't quite moved on from it. Cause we're sort of integrating it into, uh, the next phase of this project, but it's like, uh, it definitely feels like after I talked about that, uh, on Sam's show, like, okay, I, I I could take a a few weeks off from thinking about this, (laughs) you know, but that's exactly when all these things start popping up too. Like, uh, around that time when I was like, okay, let's just go and relax and do something uh, and not really have a plan. That's when we came across this big, huge stone boulder that's aligned uh, uh, east-west and all these things. So, yeah, I, I think there's certain, like um, like the moon, you know, fluctuating back and forth. It's waning and waxing. Hmm. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's some stone. 
you took pictures and you're gonna um, name it and label it on the Google Earth? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was playing around with this website called Scribble Maps, which uses uh, Google Earth, but you can sort of scribble uh, and draw lines and all sorts of things on the map. And um, and I found a couple different stone structures that I had never seen before. Uh, Tara and I went for a hike, and then when I went back and looked on the map and saw the, the area next to where we had hiked, that's not, it's like water company property. There's all these okay. stone, there's stone lines there, and they're, I mean, it's not, it's not any shape that, you know, I recognize it's not like a pictogram or a petroglyph or something like when you see like the Nazca lines and you're like, oh, that's a bird or, oh, that's a monkey, you know. Uh, but it definitely has that feeling because they're not like a grid either, which we would imagine, you know, maybe they were using these stone rows for farming and they would have like grids and such to divide certain crops from one another. But uh, But it doesn't seem like that. It seems more like a like a, I don't know, I really don't even know how to explain it, but it's, it's like, a, it's just sort of like a shape of a square with all of these different arms going in different directions. One goes towards a river, one goes towards a spot where it looks like maybe you could have like herded deer, right? You like funnel deer into a certain area and hunt them. Um, so that it's kind of interesting to see, you know, uh, all these things on the map. I feel like I just went into a totally different direction, but yeah, I am. I have no clue what, what I would name it. I only just thought about it now, but uh, yeah, we ought to name it. And I feel like there's, that's just the beginning. Like there's definitely a bunch more that haven't been found. We actually were planning on going to this museum exhibit type place that has a, a standing stone at it. It's the American Indian Research Institute or something like that in uh, Roxbury, Connecticut, and they have uh, they have a standing stone on their property. But we ended up finding uh, finding this instead. Mm. Well, that is that's um, a good story there. Mm. So I can imagine. I would imagine the considering that you and Tara like to map your territory, literally, right? You like to make maps. Mm-hmm. And now you're like finding these locations. You're finding these stones. You're finding like probably every place where you've had uh, uh, like uh, an interesting, like an unusual and uncommon, a heightened experience, like primarily with like animals or something like, or something else. Like you, you've, you've shared with us many, many stories like this. Um, it'll be interesting now if you can make maps of your area where those are like the key markers and what, what sort of diagrams or maybe their underlying uh, logic you can find. Hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's. I'm sending you a picture now. We found this stone that looks like a drum, like it's just this straight core, like a cylinder. It's very cylindrical for what you would assume is sort of random 
formations of geology and then several boulders that are enormous that are just split in in half in two parts mm. and Tara and I we called them uh spirit gateways and we walked through them together but uh yeah there is there is a sort of uh like a a language to these stone structures we're learning and mm. uh and even like faces and things that you know, most scientists would probably write off as like pareidolia or like anthropomorphizing things. Uh, it seems like there is an emphasis on that amongst the Native Americans, like to carve the face, you know, of something. Like if you saw like a, a shape of a stone that looked kind of like a nose, then you might go and like make the mouth and the eyes and like complete the face, right? So. There's a lot of that going on, and some people have theorized that, oh, these are fossilized beings. Like, I don't know if we talked about this before, but there's a YouTube channel called Mud Fossil uh, University, and uh, he talks about, like, all these stone fossils that you can find around uh, different areas of the United States that are actually, like, parts of giants like a toe or like a wrist bone or like you know like a body part that's turned into stone over time uh which is an interesting theory i don't know how many other people share that hypothesis with him uh, but a few hmm. people that support my show are really into it and uh and anytime i share rock photos they're always like oh yeah that looks like this and so it's got me thinking about it and there is a certain um, it's just, it's just like what we experience at Foulmouth. Like there's such a, a, a wide variety of perplexing things that you can find just kind of like on the precipice of what we would call like civilization, right? Like just, you know, in the backyard, people can go and find like one of the stones pictures I just sent you. Like, I mean, you can kind of tell the shape of it might not be able to see how big that is, but that's like a very large stone and it's almost like a perfect, um, uh, straight line there. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's shaped that way or if that's a geological formation, but we just found a bunch of stuff that, uh, yeah, seem it's like puzzle pieces, you know, and we have no idea what the puzzle is cause we only have like five or six pieces, right? There's 200 pieces that, that consists of this puzzle and we need to, we need to start to piece it together. Right. That's kind of, that's the feeling I have when I'm out, like looking at, at these stones now, like, okay, these fit a certain pattern or, or they don't. And, uh, and like, they, how do you like inside, like when you guys are on your, your mission to, to uncover the mystery, like, like how does it feel like, you know, as a human being with, with like feelings and emotions, fun is exciting is it inspiring does it add a layer of meaning or 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 something to a life which does it do that absolutely yeah i feel like i'm uh like you just led like led the question there but yeah like we're at some kind of like uh tony robbins seminar but yeah it is it's it's <laughs> it is it's, it's life-changing for sure but i you know i would keep in mind that it's like it, it's it's it is a byproduct of the lifestyle that i've kind of kept uh 
for the past few years now of like, okay, I gave up the, the system and like living on someone else's time and now I'm living on my own time. And that's where this sort of, because I would have glimpses of this sort of stuff when I was younger or a few years ago, but until I really committed to uh, leaning into it, right, uh, so to speak, that's when it started to become like, oh, okay, let's show the, let's show you what you're looking for because you've com- you've demonstrated the commitment to it. Because a lot of times we'll just drive around. And I won't get a glimpse of like, oh, look, there's a stone on the side of the road. And maybe when I was younger, I had things going on. You know, I wouldn't have time to just pull over and look at it. But now that I'm in control of my schedule and Tara's in control of her schedule, we could be like, yeah, let's just pull over and spend 20, 30 minutes looking around on the side of the road. And, uh, and yeah, it ended up being a pretty major discovery, in my opinion. Uh, exactly. Now, do you remember something called the Wall of Destiny? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I was there today. <laughs> okay. And so, what drew um, you there? Uh, that's the mystery of the Wall of Destiny. <laughs> like it pulls you in, and like you're like when you're there, you're like, well, let me look around in my life and see what 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 are the variables in play. Is there? But, is there a stone row? I don't remember. Or is that just the stones along the river there? That was the stones along the river. There's no stone um, structure along but, that. But I guess like what, what the point is, and like kind of bringing all of this, like I want to I wanna tie this, this back into like where the conversation began, mm. um, which is like technology and the way the realm works and you know different ages like things have changed what does it look like like during what i what does it look like right now and during the what whatever's unfolding is there is this grounding like despite everything which which is kind of like experiencing uh on the cultural level all the things we were just talking about um when you begin to apply like an artistic, uh, uh, poetic, um, but rational new set of eyes on your natural surrounding, like the byproduct is like, there. it's not about the intellectual thing that you see. The byproduct is the experiential feeling and emotional and physical body that you experience. Mm. That is your life. And you, there is a, there's a, an inspiration and aspiration, like all of the, you know, as you said, the Tony Robbins stuff, like that really happens. Mm. And you know what we're describing, I think what, what so much to the show, at least I hope is attempting to demonstrate is you know, this is one way in which it looks like when you apply the courage to step away from the comfort of the old view of like this is how you gotta live, and like you you dive headfirst into like you know the crazy pool, <laughs> but like something amazing happens. That's that's exactly it. I mean, I, I felt a little crazy bringing up the. 
I don't think it was the episode you were on, but on Wednesday Ultra, maybe, um, where I brought up the stone structure that we found, and I was a little bit surprised at how uneventful it felt like. You know, I mean, the conversation always does that, where we, like, jump from one thing to another. But I brought it up. I was like, look what I found this week, and everyone was like, cool. (laughs) You know, no big deal. So it is it is a very uh niche subject even amongst us crazy people the more general so, so so let me offer a little bit of clarity so so one thing is um for the most part the individual's experience with the uh, with the feedback of life so in this example, you being interested in like rock structures and then life gives you an amazing one back. Um, that's, that's Mark's story. Like at the end of the day, it's only really special to Mark. Like Mike's story is only really special to Mike until you can go and make it into like something they can touch. Like that's what I did with Susquehanna Mystery is like I took all of this cool stuff and I put it together in such a way that then like it became clear. And that's only people are interested in doing that. But the end of the day is it's like it's teaching people like there's there's a different game that's being played that is that is possible to be experienced in life. And it is so it's so all consuming, like everything else that you think life matters, like that falls in top of like what, what you're connecting. You're at a more primal level. Mm. So you compare that to what I was saying, like the week earlier, like people are much more interested in speaking about should AI be baptized? (laughs) Like that's the stupidest thing in the world that has nothing to do with anything and no one has ever felt inspired, aspired to have anything special going on in their lives. It is, it is like, like quite literally like soul draining mm. and a waste of time. Like that's why I'm saying like what did you feel? That is real. You really felt it regardless of anything. And it is a real live experience. Like it's a secret. Like that's why it doesn't really matter to anyone else because it's the secret that you get to share with like whatever life and this experience is we're having. Like at the end of the day, that's all we got. You're right. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think I'm luckier than most because I do have someone to, to share it with. I have Tara who equally, you if were, not if more. You've got, <laughs> if, if you've got like a partner to share it with, well, then you've hit the jackpot. Right. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely how it feels. I mean, two is more powerful than one, they say, right? So it's like uh, both of our intentions uh, united on this front. So I'll add this. Two gives you a Two gives both parties a witness. Mm. Very true. Maybe that's why we haven't seen any UFOs or Bigfoots. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're it. Oh yeah, maybe I'm the Bigfoot and she's the UFO. Well, there, there's like there's an old adage like if you're at a poker table and you're looking around, you can't identify the whale, then it must be you. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, brother. I think that this was, uh, this feels like a good place to begin to wrap this one up. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. This has been, uh, 
I'm I'm still a little bit uh, taken aback by your gremlin story. I think that's that was uh, uh, exemplary storytelling, Mike. Uh, you did not disappoint as usual. That was I was enthralled by that. So yeah. That, well, thank you. I appreciate the feedback. No, um, if cool. you go and you if you go and you if you remember, I'll say this last thing. There's like a uh, a, a visual I like to put on sometimes when on Instagram, it's uh, like a cartoon of me riding riding a bike but pulling a wagon full of like 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 strange looking characters. Are you familiar with that? Of course, yeah. So like those were the gremlins. Like, <laughs> like if you look at the the people in the back, like those are like like it's all gremlin energy. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, yeah, I think this is a great place to to leave off. You driving off into the sunset with the gremlins in tow. <laughs> there we go. Well, there we go. One last thing though, uh, we both. Uh, I don't think I. Oh, I texted you, so you know, uh, Mister Hoffman, Michael Hoffman, uh, has a new podcast or his first podcast. I think he has radio. Uh, history. He's done radio before, but uh, but yeah, he's got a new podcast. So anybody who's heard my interviews with Michael Hoffman, uh, Mike Wan here introduced me to his work. So uh, and we've talked about him numerous times here on the show. If you're curious, his first episode, uh, he did not pull any punches. He went straight for <laughs> straight for the heart of uh, World War Two and talked about Winston Churchill. So go and check that out if you're interested. Uh, Michael Hoffman's new podcast. Still there, Mike? I'm still here. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's the podcast is called uh, Michael Hoffman's Revisionist History. But uh, all right, that's fantastic work. By the way, you should be. Uh, uh, it's kind of funny. Like <laughs> we talked, we talked about him. Like this, this like third like this this mysterious uh individual living in the in the ethers right like the author of these books right like two years ago we talked about that and now like you know <laughs> you're his go-to his go-to man for in his podcasting uh in his podcasting world uh yeah i i put the training wheels on his bike and i think he's off and running now he doesn't need my help uh, maybe here and there, but yeah, it was cool to, to see how fast he, he got it going, but I don't know, you know, we've unleashed Hoffman into the podcast sphere. Well, we don't know what we'll be saying in a year or two from now about it, but I'm excited. I think he's gonna, uh, he, he fits in well. He's got a great cadence and a good speaking voice and it's a good, he, he, he's got a good idea for his show. So. All right. Anyways, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Have a good night. And everyone listening, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse.
big old quill Black night sky Tiny little diamond Stuck inside Stuck I took you out for a drive Long night time You were dancing on the hood we Stopped at the Circle K Slushies down But what did you say? Not everyone's gonna get it Some fall through the cracks She didn't want me to be one of Yeah, I come.